I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. All right, guys, welcome back to Card Talk. I'm Ryan, joined by Lou and Tyler, my two co-hosts. Got a big episode today, going to get into Bull Bull and his recent two-game explosion. See what uh, see what his cards are doing and discuss how you can take calculated risks with some lower rookies or prospects in different sports and how that could pay off in the long run. Going to get into population report with PSA and Beckett and see if that has a an impact on sales in terms of do cards with high population reports, do those seem to sell better or worse, go down that road. And then we're going to have a continued discussion around PSA as we interview Clay. So Clay Cards on Instagram runs one of the largest grading submissions for PSA in the country. Going to talk with him about the current explosion in, in PSA submitting going to go into a quick discussion and mailbag and then wrap it up with our sponsored segment which is going to be stump the shop where we each uh where tyler and lou have a thousand dollars and i have a thousand dollars and we try to see who can make more money over the course of a couple weeks with flipping cards through ebay so a lot to get into today but and then not sure you probably brought it up but maybe it slipped my mind but i know people have been liking it we got some good feedback just preview of what's coming up, what's being released from, yes. a, from a wax perspective this week. I know people have been digging that, so we'll keep yep. uh, we'll keep hammering that home. And it's a breaker's world now, so that uh, that's been been mattering. Absolutely. So, uh, want to start off today's episode with the bull bull discussion. Uh, shortly after last week's episode released, we. Saw Bull Bull dominate in a scrimmage, put up like six blocks, 10 boards, oh, I want to say 16, 17, 18 points, something like that. Mm-hmm. Real big game. Uh, there was a clip going viral of him getting a rebound, dribbling the ball down the court and like hitting a three. And all of, all of a sudden his stuff just takes off. And I, I think a lot about this in terms of taking low risks on guys flyers on upcoming stars or upcoming rookies because I went back, for instance, taking a prism orange ice of Bull Bull. So probably less than a silver, but on literally a month ago, a prism orange ice did 20 or did $18 and earlier to raw raw raw. and earlier today, there was one sold at $76. Mm -hmm. So in yeah, I think short I think it really gets into the discussion immediately and quickly of like uh, gambling and short term flips and like the the it also doesn't have value until you sell. So I think that's something to discuss. Right there's there's the prospecting aspect of it. When slabs uh, when Aaron was on slab stocks, he talked about knowledge base in baseball, give him a big leg up. I think a lot of guys we talk about do what you know, pay attention to what you know. If you if you're deeply knowledgeable about a sport, about a team, soccer, soccer's filled with academy guys coming up, you know, who's going to be the next guy to replace this person, 
uh, soccer is getting bigger, equal to baseball in terms of prospecting. But basketball, smaller rosters, still the, the place for explosions. The biggest one, Pascal, probably right last year, like in front of everyone's eyes. Not a nationally known player, and then boom. You know, and I don't know if they maxed him on a contract already, but he's going to go from relatively unknown Toronto player to max contract Pascal uh, Siakam and ball ball, potentially another preview of that, even though we're talking about two games versus a championship playoff run. But I think it's important to note you on, on the cracked ice. If, if ball ball, he goes out in two preseason games, does that. And there's this massive explosion. And then 10 games into the bubble, he's averaging three minutes a game for the nuggets what's going to happen to that market that's probably going to happen though right because mpj is on his way back so like that's going to cut his minutes down right yeah i mean it's the first game in a a, you know aau type style tourney that they throw guys out there and amazing and we live in a highlight culture and all that but to a lot of people are probably sitting back and counting the base prism ball ball that they have and saying oh i'm rich yet they didn't sell any of it Right. So I think that's that's a key part to touch on. And and Rai, I'd lo- love just your thoughts and talking through, okay, when I'm going to make a sales decision, I've prospected well. I've made I've made the bet. I, I bought the future. You know, it's like same deal. You can have a future on the Suns and then all of a sudden they make it to the conference semifinals. Cool, they're probably still not gonna win, but you can sell that future at a much better price. What do you think about now you're sitting on that bowl bowl cracked ice. Let's take that exact example. Are you thinking about selling? Are you thinking about holding long term? How do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess it depends on my first thought is how much do I have of bowl bowl, right? So if I have 30 prism rookies that cost less than $5 a piece and you can sell them each for you know $20 a piece right now, I might will be willing to sell half of them. Right, cash in on some of it, diversify the risk, get your initial investment, get that get that out of the take way. Take your money off the table. Yep, take your money off the table, and then whatever happens with the rest is kind of what happens. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with basketball and the way basketball sells right now. I think I'm more fascinated by does bull bull does this lead to more minutes? Does this lead to something later mm-hmm. where? We've seen what happens when one when a guy explodes and their market really, really takes off and basketball being the big sport right now. I think I'm like I think worst case scenario for the next year, there'll always be five dollars. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see there being much of a risk to keep them, mm-hmm. but there ha- there's a lot of upside to, you know, keep them and yeah, know, sell off half. hundred dollars. Take yeah. your profit, go, make another belt elsewhere. You also gain the experience of going through the sale. You, again, I love talking about you don't know until you go through it from a sale thing. To me, that's the number one thing I've learned of this. I sold an Mbappe PSA 10 Panini rookie sticker for $575 and I danced and I thought I, I won the whole game. I, go, I could sell for 4000 easy on eBay right now. And I'm better at a lot of different business things because of it. Not just buying and selling cards, but understanding where things could go. And it also could have went to zero. Vlad Jr. And then Lou, I'd love for your thought on this. You know, he was a huge prospect, 
didn't am I wrong? Did he have a, like a quick hot moment? Maybe a, a, he came up last couple. year and people were excited, but it wasn't anything crazy. And his market will probably went up when he came up on call up day, and then eight months later, completely back down. So you still have to make the decision of sale. A lot of people probably sit back. I'm a, I'm a victim of it. Go to sales, uh, closed sales on eBay and think it's your money, even though you haven't sold anything yet. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Lou. I, I cut you off there. No, it's okay. Uh, I, just to get back to the bull bull thing, like I think something we've talked about a bunch on here, and uh, we've all talked about it separately as well, is like you can buy anything right now and you're going to make money on it, right? Is the investment of buying bull bull today a good a good idea with the context of, all right, MPJ is coming back. All right, that was just one scrimmage. Realistically, all he did was make one highlight play that went viral on Instagram, and that was it. Yeah. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I am the first one to say, like, that's why Vlad's prices went up and Robert's prices went up and all that. Yeah. But it just, like, it, you have to be smart about, like, cool, now is he going to really play? Like you were saying, Ryan, is he really going to play? What does that really mean for his rotation minutes? All that stuff. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. And and we talk a lot about the cultural factors yep. that are that we think are newer to, to adding into pricing, mm-hmm. meaning his father, mm-hmm. legend, talked about for a while. I think even early high school days, you know, those AAU clips were going around. I think high recruit Texas. Did you play at Texas? No, I played at Oregon. Played at Oregon. Yeah. I don't even know how many minutes he got, but those those factors like help shoot something off where it's like, wait, oh, the, all these things, six years we've been waiting on them. It's really why Zion is what Zion is because as much as Zion's a rookie, it's like he's been playing, you know, yeah, in, you've in known front about of him for a while. Yeah. And then he, and then he's there and it's boom. So, and I think, I think I wanted, uh, like I think I use this time to highlight what Mike MC Sports Card said on episode our last episode, where he said, you know, if you do your research, you can you know do well. Mike talks a lot about putting in the research and and knowing this. Again, if you knew that Bull Bull was a top high school prospect, he was a big recruit going into college. Uh, his dad played. He's got freak athleticism. Like you could have seen this, right? I mean, yep. you could have bought silvers for. 10 i think they're like 14 18 bucks for a good amount of time and they're they're now consistently 95 to 115 uh so this really speaks to don't go buy a silver of every single basketball prospect necessarily this year but if you do a little bit of homework this could have been something you could have seen and you could have bought you know four of them for 60 bucks that are now worth $460 on the high. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential in this kind of stuff if you're willing to put in the work and you have a little bit of knowledge on a particular sport. So Good buddy of mine, Eric Whiteback, who big in sneaker reselling, Supreme reselling, really been all in on cards for like 12 months now, texted me five days before any ball ball hit national attention. Like, are you paying attention to ball ball? Are you paying attention to ball ball? And I'm like, I'm pot committed on Michael Michael Porter Jr., so no. But it goes to show I should have hedged. It also goes to show if you the market tends to lag behind. Mass consumption tends to lag behind. There all the indicators were there for a ball ball spike or highlight, or if you're reading certain reports and nuggets, probably had a couple deep nuggets blogs. We're talking about them like crazy. The market tends to lag behind, and even in holistic sports cards right now people are saying it's too late it's too late it's going to top off and if you take that mindset you're always going to kind of think that way too late on ball ball but there's always for the mass market more room to go 
I think we're in that with with cards still too. Someone, a, a good friend, called me from the sneaker game. I was like, it reminds me of I think it was oh six, oh six sneakers, and he's like, if you were in sneakers before oh six, you felt that like you were everyone cashing out on sneakers, everything. yeah. And then boom, all the blogs start, all the media starts. But here we are in twenty twenty, and Virgil off white, they're starting to make it into corporate rooms. Like he's like, no, I'm like, is this just gonna last a little bit? He's like, it's. 15 years in sneakers it's now been happening and yep. people everyone that was in it cashed out early because they're like this can't last this can't last and people by the way the people who came in in 07 in 2011 were like yo see ya yeah so 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 i'm anyway. gonna think about all right so next uh next discussion for today we've seen like like you said lou earlier it seems like there's a there's very little right now until sports resume that you could really lose money on. It seems like the whole market in general continues to rise steadily throughout the uh, throughout the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months. Uh, Mahomes PSA ten Prism Silver doing north of eight grand. Luca Prism base over eleven hundred. Zion base approaching a thousand. Right, like it seems like these cards continue to rise, and we get asked a lot about this. And I know it's something we discuss, but. Want to get thoughts around does the population report for a card have a direct impact on what the card sells for? And is that considered when you purchase a card? Uh, for me, I was historically was not the person who was interested in 2019 Prism for this reason. I thought I still kind of think I'm ready to go back on it a little bit that because the print runs are going to be so high, it was going to hurt. I didn't anticipate what was going to happen with the pandemic and all the, the more interest now. So generally speaking, I do not consider pop reports when I buy cards for base cards for like these type of guys, like the Lucas and the, and the Juan Sotos and the Zions. Um, Cause p- my belief is, and I would love to hear from you guys on it. My personal belief is like, everyone wants to have the card that their friend has same way. Everyone wants to have the sneaker that their friend has. So just because there's 15,000 Lucas or whatever the number is like that doesn't matter if there's 50, if there's 10,000 more people trying to buy cards this month than there were last month. So Tyler's got it up for those listening on audio, but the current population report, again, we record this a day in advance, but current population report as of today is 12,159 12. PSA 10 Luca prisms. Uh, but I think the big thing for me, so. And then, you guys, and then here's uh, Beckett. As well. Oh. Yep. So Beckett has twenty one thousand. Yeah, twenty one hundred nine fives. Yeah, it's twenty one hundred nine five Beckett, uh Luca rookies, and then there's north of twelve grand PSA ten mm-hmm. Lucas. I think the big thing for me is I sell, you know, fifty auctions every day on eBay. Use eBay a lot for selling inventory. And Every day I'll check what items are getting the most bids, what items are getting watched the most, right? I I, I pay attention to what stuff is selling for. Mm-hmm. And every day my most watched items and my most bid on items are PSA graded cards. PSA 10s, PSA 9s. It seems like the market has gone to, you want a raw copy that's going to grade a 10 because you're planning on grading it, or you want it already graded a 10. It doesn't seem like the population report has a is being really considered in this because everybody really wants the card, you know, as a 10, I mean, Devin Booker, I sold a raw base a couple of days ago for like $79 and a PSA 10 is what? Five fifty. dollars mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking five X 
is what it sells for as a PSA 10. It, it just doesn't seem like the raw is, is where people want. It seems like so much of the market now is, is on the yeah. PSA 10. So I think that there's a lot of different things running through my head. One, new people getting into the hobby. And I think the root of why we wanted to bring this up is it's another factor. Market factors we talk about a lot. There's a million different ways, strategies, entire VC firms, hedge funds, are like, this is my strategy, and then I'm going to just deploy against my strategy. So when you are setting up your budget or thinking about it, you can be someone that invests in very low population, low supply, and then try to project out demand against the supply. It's also, or you cannot care and say, Luke is going to be the greatest thing in the world. And even though there's 12,000, everyone's going to want one of his cards because he's a global icon and he's young and he's going to be the face of the league and there's much more demand coming in. And so 12,000 irrelevant, or you can say, I'm going to take the same $1,200, which Luca is selling at right now. And I'm going to get a Carmelo Anthony refractor, which I don't even, I don't have it up in front of me right now, but I know the population is not 12,000, maybe 1200. And he's going to make it to the hall of fame. He's, doesn't have the risk of 12 years of year in and year out performance. Luca hasn't won anything either. So those are just different strategies. And I think that it's important to know. We've talked to a lot of people, Lou, a lot of people in our networks, Ryan, you probably see it every single day, new people coming into the store. Okay. First, you got to wrap your head around. There's, there's raw cards. That's what you get out of a pack. That's what they're referred to as raw. That means they're not graded. Then they can get graded, and there's a couple different people that do the grading. PSA, SGC, Beckett. PSA is really the leader right now. And even if you look, it's it's funny when you look at Luca twelve thousand PSA tens compared to Beckett nine five, which is kind of like the comp twenty one hundred. So one sixth of the amount have been put out there, which means that more people are preferring and going to PSA. So I think for it's an understanding of the education of what a graded card means. And then when once they've been graded, it's hard to my understanding, Ryan, and, and you can say this, there's it goes around a little bit of like a product was short printed, but there's never full disclosure in how many raw Luka Doncic's there are in the world. Correct. Right? Yeah. But PSA, publicly traded company, they have to be transparent about how they go about these gradings. Super in your face about how many PSA tens are. So it's just additional information that can help you make an uh, educated investment. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's 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 a huge factor right now. I think this is something to watch two, three, four, five years from now mm-hmm. as co- the grading continues to be. You know, everybody wants graded cards. As this continues to rise in the hobby, and we continue to grade more and more, when these numbers start getting twenty. 25, 30,000, you would assume Zion seems like it could be on that track. I mean, everybody seems to be grading those, that card. It's going to be up there. It will likely be the first one to 20,000, I would, I would expect. So it'll be interesting to, to watch that as, as grading continues to blow up. Here's, here's a LeBron real quick, just to show I'm, I'm looking. I pulled up LeBron 2003 Tops Chrome uh, for his PSA 10, 2,000 of them. Yep. When you think about Luca, the card was printed two years ago. When you think about LeBron, the card was printed 17 years ago. There's going to be a lot less in circulation that people can submit to get graded. 
that 2000 probably going to stay a lot more supply similar sure. than extrapolate Luca out five years from now where that'll stand. So again, just things to think about. But yeah, like we were saying, demand for grading right now at an all-time high. Seems like everybody is is really on the grading card train. We recently sat down with Clay Cards on Instagram to talk about a recent explosion in the grading card market, what he sees from his end as he runs monthly submissions for for PSA. And here is that interview. Clay, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, like you said, I've just uh, started running PSA submissions a couple years now. Um, they've just kept growing ex- exponentially. Um, when did you first start? Man, probably about, it's about three years now. Because um, I remember starting them when I lived in the old house. And uh, this is about the time we moved in. So, yeah, it's been about three years now, believe it or not. But And when you say uh, PSA submissions, Give yeah. just a quick little breakdown of of what that yeah. what that is what that business. Yeah, is. so the basic process is is people send cards into me. Uh, I I check them over, look at them, see what I think they might be able to grade, whether they'll grade well. Uh, you know, see a value bump through grading. Uh, send them off to PSA to get professionally graded, slabbed. Uh, PSA sends them back to me, and then I return them to all the all the people who sent in. And do you? work exclusively in terms of submissions into PSA? Yeah, I only do PSA right now. Um, have considered doing others, but PSA just makes the most sense right now to me. So, And the it, I'd love to just hear the, the months leading up to you starting the this business three years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the insight? What was the why? How did how did it kick off? you'll laugh, but it's honestly because VGS was too expensive (laughs) (laughs) at the time. uh, You guys probably remember at the time it was just those two. Now SGCs was relevant for a while and now I don't know anymore, but the uh, VGS was just too expensive. Uh, Even three years ago, they were running, you know, 25, 30 bucks to get stuff sent in and sent back and, you know, I I had an LCS at the time. They're not around anymore, but I'd take stuff into them, drop it off and, you know, get it back uh, a couple months later. I actually thought I was doing a BGS submission with them and they came back in PSA slabs and I was like, well, hey, that looks good. too." <laughs> so so I ended up getting these PSA slabs back. It looked good. Feel good. Um, and then I actually ended up doing BGS through David, who I think we all know. Um, preferred the PSA, liked the pricing better, um, and just rolled with it from there. For those that don't know, uh, David is DK card seven on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He's one of the bigger top five or top 10, uh, Beckett submitters in the country. So he yeah. does the same thing Clay does, but with Beckett. So right. that's who the David is, is, is yeah. DK card seven. Right. So Clay, when, if I'm, you know, Joe Schmo collector, just got into cards, Open the pack, got a nice card. I want to get it graded, right? Why would I not just send it in myself? And why would I say, all right, cool, I'm going to give it to Clay because he knows what he's doing? Explain that and like the value prop you provide. Yeah. So there's two main reasons. Well, three really in my in my mind that why you'd send it to me as opposed to sending to PSA directly. Um, the first one's pricing. 
Um, typically I can offer a better price than what you can get just going through PSA yourself since I submit so much. Um, there's like bulk discounts available, uh, preferred pricing, all that. So I can usually offer a cheaper price than you can do it for yourself. Uh, second reason is I look at them, right? I check them over. If there's something I see that's like a major flaw, I'll tell you, hey, don't waste your time. It's, it's not going to grade well. You know, just take it back, sell it raw or hang on to it or whatever you're going to do with it. It's, it's not worth grading. And so you can save some money that way. Um, and then third reason is just the hassle. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if you've never done PSA yourself, it's kind of a pain. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, the website's not overly user-friendly. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, it's easy to get lost. Uh, so between, you know, having to enter all the cards into PSA into their website, printing the forms, shipping them, you know, all of that, that's stuff that I take care of. So it's, it just, you know, for a lot of people, if you're not submitting, you know, thousands of cards, it kind of makes sense to, to kind of team up or group up with other people and submit them that way. Yeah. And, I, and I, Lou and Lou and Tyler, I can speak to this personally that like, again, as running a card store, I don't exactly have time to sit there and review cards and look at cards and see what I should grade and put them in semi-rigids and send them to PSA and do all of that work. So it's nice when you can send them to somebody that looks at cards all day long and, and, and can do it. I mean, like Clay will tell you, I mean, I used to run these back in the day when I didn't have a store and I had a little bit more time and it, it's a lot of work. And if you've, yeah. like you said, if you've never done it and you don't know what you're looking for paying, you know, to submit them through somebody else can be a huge benefit because not only are you saving money, but you're getting a guy that looks at these full time and has an idea of what to look for and what PSA is looking for. So yeah. that peace of mind and, and that extra eyes on them, it really, really goes a long yeah, way. Yeah. And then if I like, let's just say I want to take a look at a card myself, what are like the, the three or four main things you would say like that you think PSA looks at the most, whether that's surfaces mm-hmm. and how you look at a surface, like go into that a little bit. Yeah, so PSA grades uh, based on eye appeal is kind of their main focus. Um, that'll be the difference between like a nine and a ten, or you know, an eight five and a nine. That'll be the main difference is eye appeal. So the the two things that go into eye appeal really are corners and uh, centering. So it, it, just how the card looks. I mean, if it's way off center, it's not going to look good. If the corners are all bent, it's not going to look good, right? And then probably the last thing is, is the surface. You know, once you get in a slab or if you're not looking at it at the right angle under light, there's a lot of things on the surface that you won't even see. So that's kind of the last thing they look at as far as like eye appeal goes. Uh, but that's that's the major things. And, and centering, they can be a little bit lenient. Uh, I think their website says like 5545 fits the range of a PSA 10 for them. Uh, it might even be 60-40, but I think it's 55-45 uh, fits into the range there. For those that are not familiar with like the, the with with what Clay's talking about there, that means like how centered the card is percentage-wise. So if you look at a card and you have an idea of like what the centering is, 60% on one side, 40% on the other side, mm-hmm. it's just it's just terminology used to determine how centered the card is on a particular card. So yeah. off-centered one way or the other is where that 60, 40 or 55, 45% percentage comes from. Yeah. And if the card has like defined borders, so like uh, defined edges where there's, there's a border on each side or top and bottom, it's a lot easier to tell versus something that doesn't have any borders to it. So Clay, you've been doing this for quite a while now. So I'm always, uh, I'm always fascinated by the idea of like doing this full time and uh, you know, like when that really started for you. So when did you, 
when did you really have an idea that, hey, this is really, really big and I could totally do this like full time and this could be my only source of income? Yeah. Uh, you know, I never intended to do this full time. I never set out wanting to do it full time. I mean, when I started running them, um, I just wanted to get the discount for bulk, right? I wanted to send yep. my own stuff in. Hey, if I can add a few cards from other people where, you know, we can get a little bit cheaper, let's do that. So I, I actually looked the other day, my first submission to BSA was 104 cards and uh, it was two guys. It was me and another guy who's not even on Instagram anymore. They can't <laughs> find him. One, actually wanted to reach out to him, but couldn't find him, not on there anymore. So it, it started out just, you know, being a collector, just wanting to get some stuff graded and, and looking for the, the best and cheapest way to do it. Um, and it's just grown from there. You know, you keep offering the submissions, more people hear about it, more people join. Um, and probably, man, it's probably been, I think early last year, I kind of thought, well, Hey, this is getting pretty big and, uh, there might be some potential here to do this, you know, rub this up a little and, you know, advertise a little more or get more, make more people aware of it and do it a little more full time. Um, and then, last probably in the last six months it's just exploded as the hobby has really. yeah and and um, with that said clay in terms of it say i've come in in the last six months in, into the hobby and and uh, i'm really enjoying it we, we had a good conversation yesterday around box breaks or uh, say you're in a, in a position where you've gotten into this thing and it's you've come into it from a you're break opening packs and breaking a lot of boxes what is the value in grading cards and why should I be thinking, when should I be thinking, okay, this card I should send in to get graded, even though it has an increase in, in cost, or when should I be thinking about selling raw? Like what is yeah. the decision that you're sitting there making saying, okay, let me get this graded or, Hmm, no, I'm going to keep, keep to this raw here. And then to the flip side, a lot of questions happens all day, every day of, I have a stack of cards sitting in my attic. What should I do about them? Yeah. We'd love for you yeah, to just that, touch on that. The attic cards are always the the most interesting because it's a lot of times that's vintage, you know? So vintage is just kind of got to figure it out what you got and if it's worth anything, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of research on that part. But some of the more modern stuff is, is things that a lot of us know more about. Um, it vintage is something you have to look up, but as far as what you want to send to PSA, um, there's two reasons really. One would be just preservation. I mean, some people have PCs, you know, they'll collect a, a bunch of one guy or, or a set or something like that. And they just want to get slabbed for protection reasons or display reasons. So that's one reason. The other reason, which is probably what most people are doing is looking to flip cards, uh, increase the value to sell later on. Uh, that's probably the most common thing people are looking to do. And the reason you do that, send them into grade is, you know, you look at the value of a PSA 10 or, or a PSA nine, even now nines are worth a lot more than, than raw in most cases. So a lot of times you can get cards that are, you know, five, 10, 15 bucks graded in a 10 and they turn into, you know, hundred, $200 cards. Yep. And then speaking to the, the increase in demand that you've seen over, over the last six months, is there a certain subset whether it be basketball, baseball, soccer, for that matter, 
that that you've seen a massive increase in and how about maybe even on the pokemon side can you go in depth a little bit of yeah. like what's been insights that have come across your radar of like hmm this is really popping off because so, you're you're in a unique position where you see it really before, before it's happening there's any data or, or before yeah. it's happening yeah that's one of the advantages of doing this is that i'll see things like i don't know anything about baseball prospecting i know nothing i couldn't <laughs> tell you a single player but once the 2020 Bowman stuff starts rolling in, I say, well, hey, here's probably the five or six guys that everybody's grading. So then I have an idea who's worth <laughs> grading out of the Bowman stuff, right? I just don't know anything about baseball prospecting. Uh, like you kind of mentioned, soccer's been big recently. Uh, a lot of stuff, people have been sending in soccer stuff. Any specific uh, product in the, in the soccer side or players? 2018 Prism has been a big one. Uh there was like a, a Donruss where I think in soccer, Ryan can probably tell me in, in soccer, I think they did optic and Donruss in the same like set. I think optic was like a, a parallel in the same box. Maybe. I think that's, I think that's where Mbappe cards come in that mm-hmm. like 18 yeah. Donruss hanger boxes. Yeah. That yeah, right like there. That. yeah. I think the, I think the base is out of the same set, mm-hmm. like out of the yep. same box. So yeah, the, the base and the optics have been big. Um, and then, I mean, and PSA just changed this. Um, the 2017 cards and newer uh, just had a price increase through PSA because um, that's what they get. I mean, they get a ton of the 2017 and newer. I would probably say 90 or 95% of what I get is 2017 and newer uh, from people. So it made sense that they were going to raise the price on that. Uh, but it, that's a majority of what comes. Are in. you dealing in the vintage space at all? Very little. Um, they separated it into three different years now or year categories. So it's 2017 and newer, uh, 2016 to 1972, and then 1971 and newer. Um, hardly any of the 1971 and newer or and older stuff, but you'll get uh, probably, yeah, probably the 10, five, 10% of the stuff is in that, that middle range. And what about Pokemon? Not much Pokemon at all. Um, I feel like, I feel like Pokemon kind of has its own group. If that makes sense. I feel like yeah. the Pokemon people and the sports card people are still separate. Yep. For some reason or another. I know there's overlap there, but I feel like a lot of those those groups are still separate. Now, Clay, you uh I wanted to ask though, um, because I, I know we talked about this the other day offline, but can you uh you share some of your plans for like future submissions? Are you currently doing them now? When do you are you if not, yeah. are you gonna do so, them again? Yeah, I'm finishing up uh the most recent submission, probably gonna be another week on that. Uh, until that's completely finished um and then after that i i don't i plan on running my next submission through through a website so i've been working with a couple people on a website uh should be makes things a lot easier on everyone uh be able to submit directly through their website print off a sheet with your information mail it in with your cards then uh eventually you'll be able to see your cards on the website like view your list of what's going in then when the grades come back, you'll be able to see your grades on the website, see your tracking information on the website. It's going to be great, but it certainly uh, takes some time to get all that together, as I'm sure you're, you're definitely aware, Ryan, with your website. So it's 
Clay, do you it's have a uh, a favorite, a, a single favorite card of your own, and vice versa? Is there a card that you have noticed is incredibly hard to grade, and then even if the population might be a little bit increased, it 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 carries a little bit of extra value because it, it it's fine if it's coming more difficult to to hit that PSA ten or or nine for even that matter. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny how you see things trend when you're grading the same stuff all the time. So like one one example I would give is like, well, first example I'd give is the 93 SP Jeter. Like we're probably never seeing a PSA 10 of that again. Just not going to happen. Why? I'm not even sure how many are on the pop report, but it's not many. Um, and and why? yeah, why? Why? Uh, well, one reason is they're really condition sensitive, right? I mean, they're 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 a foil based card, scratch easy, the corners get dinged easy. And it's a, it's a little bit older, so it's tougher to find in good condition. Even the packs that you can still pull those out of, a lot of them stick. So the stick cards together. inside the packs stick. So they, like a brick. Yeah, it's literally a brick. So the, the ones that you even pack pull probably aren't, aren't in good condition anymore. Um, and then once you get to where a card is like super valuable, PSA kind of pop... Uh, regulates it where they they try not to give out a lot of high grades in that card just to kind of keep the population uh, in control fair i guess in control yeah Yeah, that's probably a better word and then uh some of the newer stuff like one example i would give is like 2016 bowman chrome stuff that stuff's just tougher to grade i don't have a great reason why some of its centering some of its corners some of its surface there's just quality control issues with that stuff so like when when tatis was popping off that's something where you probably just want to buy the card graded as opposed to trying to grade it and get a 10 interesting so that's some of the the things that you see after a while like i think the same thing's starting to happen with luca and trey prism rookies where they're kind of getting a little bit tougher on those they're getting tougher to, to tougher to 10 um now, whether that's a reflection of the pop report or not, I don't know, because the pop reports on those are huge. Yeah. Maybe all the good ones are uh, already graded. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest card you've pulled, like, you've pulled, you've sent in to PSA in the last, like, six months? Oof. I had somebody send in a, uh, if, if you've ever been to a Nike store, mm-hmm. they have the gift cards. I had somebody send a gift card in to get graded. Uh, it was like an old, I think it was Serena Williams or Venus Williams. It was a, it was a literal Nike gift card out of the hmm. store. So that was an interesting Sneaky. one. Sneaky. Yeah, that was an interesting one. And sometimes you get the, some of those like box toppers, the bigger, like the giant cards where you just don't see them very often. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of interesting as well. Huh. And Clay, before we, uh, it looks like that's going to be all the time we have today, but before we get you off here, any, uh, any uh, account, social media, websites, Facebook, anything like that you want to you wanna go ahead and plug? Yeah, so go ahead, follow me on Instagram. It's at Clay Cards. Uh, that's my primary, uh, primary source of, of social media. I use that the most. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, uh, PSA Submissions by Clay Cards. That's the, uh, the, the name for that group. Uh, you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Cards. And uh, once the website's up and running, uh, I'll make sure to, to post that all over all those socials so you can get on there and, and see what's going on. 
Awesome. Well, we certainly appreciate the time, Clay. Thank you. Uh, thank you again for sitting down and, uh, and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. All right, that was our interview with Clay Cards. It was great to sit down and hear what's going on in the PSA grading world as he continues to get more and more cards for each submission. Really speaks to the point that you can really do anything within this hobby, and there's a lot of different paths you can go down, whether it's you know grading cards or flipping lots or breaks or all sorts of different things. So always, uh, always good to sit down and, and chat with Clay. But let's get into our Stump the Shop segment. Stump the Shop is brought to you by eBay, your number one stop for buying and selling trading cards and memorabilia. This is going to be a multi-week competition between myself and then Tyler and Lou. They will be working together to try to basically beat me in a competition around flipping cards. So we all get asked a lot about, you know, what you're buying, how you flip cards, how you find lots, what you're looking at when you're purchasing. And this is basically going to be focused around what we're thinking, why we're buying, how we're doing, etc. So gentlemen, any uh, any updates on your end around what you're purchasing, what you're selling, strategy? Yes. You guys doing yes, anything at all? Yes. I have no strategy whatsoever. So, Thank you. <laughs> we're strategy list. That's our strategy. <laughs> no, um... We've been talking a lot about soccer. Last time we had our internal meeting, I was saying where I was going to place my focus. I actually started talking about raw and doing raw flips and prospecting. And three days later, ball ball goes and does what he did. Um, but soccer, heavy soccer, that's where I spent a lot of my time. And I, I was driving late one night and I'm like, Pulisic, Pulisic, 2026 World Cup. Think about a lot. Working backwards long term, Premier League, I think what a bit of an advantage in terms of global sports right now. Europe isn't in it seemingly as much with Corona. Maybe they've got a little bit more under control, not touching politics at all, but seems like they're in a in a better spot to have open sports and getting closer to it. They just went through a very successful run of uh Premier League soccer, La Liga, Syria, all wrapped up. Champions League is going to go into a bubble. Pulisic's not playing in any of that. But there's been a real shift in our consumer attention in sports right now, and a lot of it is going to soccer. You know, Big investments are going to be made into the promotion of soccer as we start going towards 2026 World Cup. Christian Pulisic is the face of American soccer. He is still incredibly young, kid from Hershey, PA. Uh, and he plays on Chelsea, arguably one of the more American-marketed teams in the premier league and then the cherry on top is the kid has proved he can play at the at the top league he when he first came in struggled a little bit seemed to get pushed around he then got injured fell to the back and and the the pause from coronavirus gave him the chance to get healthy and he came back and has just played his mind this has been a really big few weeks for him right like he's really come on like super strong yeah yep Yep. and and arguably scored one of the better goals definitely i think his top top goal um since he's been in the premier league against liverpool came on as a sub and then on the same deal uh had a beautiful assist and it's just really been turning heads and so this was before because i pay a lot of attention to it this was even before the liverpool game i think he scored three goals since we went and made the purchase but he started to spike this could be considered christian's true kind of base rookie 
and it's a hollow, so I don't mean base, but I mean he. There was some, I believe, uh, national treasure stuff. I don't want to speak out of turn, but we went with PSA nine, testing a little bit of lower end and trying to get more action on it versus the PSA ten higher price point. I think there will be less action on the buying side. To me, this is going to be a very liquid card. The one thing that I don't love, and I think is a debate and conversation we can keep having, is over time does the true rookie change and in this card he's uh on Bo Rusher Dortmund and I think a lot of people are going to look to him as either a Chelsea player because that's when it hit their radar or in an American jersey yep. but my when, when I look at it to me this was his first printed it's hollow much less supply and the PSA 9 still and I got this at 75% of listed value, it was listed at three ninety nine. I went back and forth with a couple offers, landed on two ninety five pre tax and shipping. So I felt really good about it, and I, and I believe that with soccer that we're going to be able to make a sale. He's really playing well. Things completely in form, and it started. The new league starts up in September, September twelfth. He's going to be good to go. Um, I see. I see us making a good flip on this thing. So that's where I'm at. I, I do want to get back to my original advice of to my own self of starting to get in the raw game to learn, just buying and selling some raw, some lots. Um, but we now sit on three different units. Sit on the Christian Pulisic, Don Russ debut hollow, PSA nine. We sit on a Bulbasaur first edition PSA nine, nine, and we're actually all PSA nine sneaky Tyler Boyd. Uh, optic auto PSA nine auto. Nice, and so we're there. We're just uh, under our threshold, I, I believe, of uh, of a thousand. And little dude, I know that Ryan comes in here and starts flexing about his sales that he's been making of his lots. And so Ryan, I'd, I'd really like you to, you know, because you didn't want to tell us about it. I'd really like you to tell the audience about <laughs> so weird. the lead you currently find yourself in. So I'm not sure there's quite a lead. I, I don't have any interest in a first quarter lead. We'll, we'll see. You were pretty the excited end, five minutes ago by your first, first quarter lead. Oh, so I'm, interesting. I'm, I'm, Easy interesting. Now. I'm stoked. Easy I'm not saying I'm not pumped. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. So we talked about it on uh, episode two where we got really into some the shop and how I was searching for lots, right? Searching eBay, newly listed, buy it now, sports cards. I just searched literally just the word lot, over $100 or over $150. Not really trying to get into like some of the mystery lots or the base cards that, you know, are 10 or $15 lots. And the first two lots I purchased was the Garrett Cole lot and the Roberto Clemente slash Hall of Fame lot. I have sold, so each lot I think came with like one lot was, the Hall of Fame lot was eight cards and the Garrett Cole auto lot was nine cards. I have one card left from each lot and I'm up $70 already in each lot. So I know somebody said, I don't know why this guy's buying Garrett Cole. That seems silly. So Someone flamed you? Yeah. I mean, and I, I totally understand it. I don't, I'm not out here buying baseball. I know we've talked about that, that the money, I, I would prefer my money in basketball. But for the point of this conversation, it was showing you that there are underpriced lots on ebay and if you do your homework and you know what you're looking for and you are you know you can look up comps you can do pretty well i will say one of the things i did buy and this is a good lesson that i learned and i've learned it before but i think it's good to you know kind of teach it to the audience that 
I bought a soccer lot. It was a 2019-2020 Chronicle soccer lot. It had like two different autos, two jerseys, some rookies and inserts. This is right when Chronicles came out. And it was like two hundred dollars. It was uh, it was one ninety nine free shipping, and I bought it thinking I was going to do real well. I priced a bunch of it out. You know, this will sell for this. This will sell for this. This will sell for this. And I'm always super conservative, right? If a card's selling for a hundred dollars when a product first comes out, it might drop to seventy five bucks. So you want to leave yourself a little bit of room in case when the newness of the product dries up. Yeah, especially that Chronicle Soccer was hot. Yeah, the Greenwood card was going yep. for two hundred. It's now settled in or I think one fifteen ish. I'm seeing. Yep. So you don't want to you don't want to overestimate and be like, man, these are doing seventy five. I bet I can get eighty when it's going to drop to fifty in a week. Mm-hmm. So I did that. There was a messy historic ticket uh, in there. They're just a base card. And they were doing like $100 consistently when it first started. So I'm like, man, I could do really well on this. There's an auto I think is going to sell for 85 to 100 the Messi, and then everything else. I'm like, I'm going to be set up for success. By the time I got the Messi and listed it, it sold for $35. They were doing, like I said, 100 I pro- I was conservative and said 50 but that's a $15 discrepancy that I wasn't accounting for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important here that – if you don't leave yourself a little bit of leeway in this, especially in some of the other cards, I might not be doing as well on this if I would have overpaid, expecting to do well on everything, and then values decrease. Yeah. So, and and something I want to get from you real quick because I think it helps tremendously, and especially this is where we're really there's actionable advice things happening. We are buying and selling to mm-hmm. hopefully show different situations that you go through. You had a budget, thousand dollars, you spent it. Now you own the card. You thought one thing was going to happen. You, in your mind, I'm going to sell this messy for a hundred, or, or or fifty. You you called it fifty. Then you're like, huh? The market's actually softer than I thought. But you got a potential buyer on on the hook. I think most people, just based on how they would operate, would say, I'm not going to take the L on this and sell for less. But I think what your thought process was, I need to put this 35 back to work because with all that is going on right now, I can make up for it elsewhere. And yep. and this isn't Robin Hood day trading where you're paying 40% tax. And so there's some benefits to holding long term. You know, That card could go to 10 or in a couple of years, it could go to 60. But you said, I want that 35 now. What was your kind of thought there? Yeah, and I mean, like looking them up, there the cheapest one at the time was like forty two bucks or best offer. Uh, a lot of sales around thirty eight to forty four dollars. You know, uh, and my first thought is looking up. I always search what's the cheapest one listed. And it was like forty two bucks, so I just made a decision. I'm going to put it up for thirty four ninety nine plus shipping. I'm going to be well below the market. And I'm going to sell it and just get rid of it because the money's not doing me any good tied up in that card. And if they continue to fall, if they went from 100 to 35 or 45 in a week, what, what could they do in another week? Mm-hmm. They could, could they could go to 15. So if you price it to sell, I mean, don't give it away, but price it to sell, be fair, no best offer, it sold within like three hours of being listed. So I'd rather have the money to reinvest it and do something else. I, I still feel pretty confident in the lot. I think I've, I auctioned a bunch of the lesser stuff. I listed one of the autos as a buy it now, and then I sold the messy buy it now. So in total, I, again, was selling the the Clemente Hall of Fame lot, all of the uh, Garrett Cole autos minus one, and then some of the soccer. 
I'm currently up like $58 total, and I still have the best card from the soccer lot, uh, Roberto Clemente listed in a Garrett Cole auto listed. So I'm, I'm feeling feeling pretty good where I'm at now. But again, we're just taking two different strategies here. And I, and I think this is this is good to show that there are multiple ways you can go about this. Like we talked about after coming out of the interview with Clay, you can grade cards. You can buy single cards you think are underpriced. You can buy specific players, specific cards. You can buy lots. There's so many different things you can do in this, and there's not one right answer. If you know something about it, I happen to know lots, right? Looking for lots, what cards sell for. I mean, I see cards values every single day, so I have some sort of idea of what things are doing. So when I'm scrolling through there, it allows me to kind of see what I'm looking for, click on something, price it out and find a winner. So I'll be curious to see what it looks like, you know, two weeks from now when we check back in on this, but I'm feeling pretty good. We got some sales to do, Lou. We got some, we got some things to talk about. Yeah, we'll have a meeting. You're not invited, Ryan. Okay. You're out. Stump the Shop is brought to you by eBay, your number one stop for buying and selling trading cards and memorabilia. And then our last discussion of the week is going to be upcoming releases. So this is where we just preview some of the product that is getting set to release this week in the the card market. One of the first things that I noticed releases this week and the one I'm probably most excited for is going to be 2020 Elite Football. Historically, this has been the product each year where rookies are featured in their NFL jerseys for the first time. I would expect that to be the case this year. I know there's the there was not a rookie premiere photo shoot, which is where Panini hosts the top 40 or 50 guys they choose, take pictures of them in their NFL jerseys, and use those photos for cards. My understanding was that was canceled. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens with that, but I would expect that to be uh, the first product of the year with 2020 football. Will there be just always equating it to breaking? And Are you doing some mm-hmm. breaks on it? I'm not sure. I don't have a ton of that product coming in. That was pretty allocated to me. So you think there will be high demand? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just because football, football generally does well. It's the first big NFL style release. It, it's is it the first product where you're gonna where Burrow in a Bengals jersey? It should be. Again, not sure with the rookie premiere if that happened or not. We ha- I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Historically, that is the product. If that's the case, yes, it will do well. A lot of people wait for their. You know, you have a lot of people that don't collect college, a lot of people that only collect college, and then people that do both. The people that don't collect college are waiting for Joe Burrow in a, in a Bengals jersey. They don't care about the LSU jersey. So, yeah, it it, it should do pretty well. Love it. So, also, 1920 Chronicles basketball. We've had Chronicles draft picks football on the show. We've had Chronicles soccer on the show. Chronicles basketball should be another successful product in the line of Chronicles releases by Panini. Again, just a hodgepodge of different things. My understanding is, is Kendrick Nunn will have a Prism rookie in there. That should be something that's likely chased. They've got uh, Gala rookies, which are uh, from a product that they throw in there. They're like numbered to eight. Historically, like they'll sell for thousands of dollars. A lot of chase cards in there. Again, with just a variety of different products, Chronicles should also do well. But Bigger, bigger break demand for that or for the football? Anything basketball at this point. Basketball for sure is leading the way. Football will do well comparatively to the other football products as it has the NFL jersey stuff. But in terms of those two compared to to each other, basketball for sure. Love it. 
Cool. So, Sounds good. That is all we got for this episode. Oh, real quick, I want to tell on myself because last week I said something very stupid. Oh yeah, about uh. the Braves. Um, run it back. We were talking about Trey Young. We were talking about Ronald Acuna. I said the Braves don't win a lot of games. The thought process was just a complete brain fart on my end. The Braves are a good team. They've won the NL East two years in a row. I apologize to the Braves fans. I apologize to Ronald Acuna. And I'm going to get better. And that's all. That's all you can do. That's it. Every single day. <laughs> and that's how we'll end episode four. Lou, you need to wear a Braves hat next episode. Done. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wrap on Card Talk this week. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37 p.m. podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.